0: It's really a personal decision as well. You know, locking in that rate, not having to think about it. A lot of people that have not had variable before, and over the past year and a half, variable uh, actually outpaced fixed as far as the product being sold. So, um, a lot of new people with variable, they kind of overthink it. They, you know, really, you know, focus in on what the Bank of Canada is doing and how that's going to impact them. One thing to keep in mind from a quick math standpoint. For, with this rate hike of a half a percent, so a half percent that has scared everyone, it equates to twenty three dollars every hundred thousand dollars in your mortgage. So for somebody with a three hundred thousand dollar mortgage, your rate is changing by sixty nine dollars. Um, You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today.
1: Hello, welcome. The Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. We are back. It's uh, Easter weekend. Long weekend. We're here, most of us. It's uh, (laughs) David and I today. My name is Paul Stevenson. I'm one of the owners at Referral Mortgages. I'm also a mortgage agent. And uh, I'm joined with David Warren, who is also an owner at Referral Mortgages. Couldn't tell by the logo in the background. And uh, also a mortgage agent. I need to get one of those, I think, for that brick wall behind me. The big referral logo
0: i think uh i think greg <clears throat> i think greg had too many chocolates
1: <laughs> greg got into the, the chocolates last night um yeah been an interesting week might as well just hop right into it uh been an interesting week we've seen uh, some big announcements obviously the federal budget came out the week before which we touched on last episode and then last week as expected bank of canada has announced that they are hiking rates the hike in the overnight lending rate. Uh, so banks now prime has moved from 2.7 up to 3.2 for most, most lenders. Uh, so anyone who is currently in a variable rate, this obviously impacts you. And uh, David, what have you been seeing? What have you been hearing from kind of your uh, your clients, your realtor partners, et cetera? What, what's the word on the street? How's everyone feeling about this?
0: Um, definitely a lot of people reaching out, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, for sure, for those that don't know, obviously this uh, rate hike of 50 basis points or half a percent was the first time in over two decades uh, that this has happened. Typically, it's uh, by a quarter point at a time. So it's definitely uh, something very new um, or, or at least new in the last uh, you know 20 plus years. And this affects, like Paul said, variable rate mortgages, he, uh, HELOCs, unsecured lines of credit, student loans, business loans. Uh, you know, anything with a, with a floating rate. And so, you know, this is obviously to curb inflation or to, to, you know, kind of where we're at of, of the an 8% right now. And as right around where inflation is um, which is obviously astronomical as well. Uh, a lot of clients just reaching out whether they should, you know, what I think, whether they should lock into fixed rates, it always happens leading up to a rate hike. And then right after it as well, or the day of, um, people asking what they should do, whether they should lock in and, and, and or stay the course and and typically it's it's exactly that stay in the course. Um, when you're looking at converting to a fixed rate mortgage, you're doing so at the at the current term remaining in your mortgage uh, their best rate. but a lot of times especially right now you're the spread between the two, uh, whether it be three, four or five year fixed, the spread between the variable rate and those, Fixed rates on those three different varying terms uh, are upwards around one and a half to 2%. You know, it's a pretty big spread uh, regardless of, you know, what variables doing. And even though they're, they are, you know, forecasting additional rate hikes, um, you know, that's a big, a big jump. Again, you know, we've talked about it before. You have to be consciously making that decision to pay one and a half percent higher immediately, um, instead of waiting and as well, that penalty, uh, difference. So, you know, it's, it's certainly, you know, I know it does get on people's mind. And, and I always say as well, if, uh, if it, it's really a personal decision as well, you know, locking in that rate, not having to think about it. A lot of people that have not had variable before and over the past year and a half variable, uh, actually outpaced fixed as far as the product being sold. So, um, a lot of new people with variable they kind of overthink it. They you know really you know focus in on what the Bank of Canada is doing and how that's going to impact them. One thing to keep in mind from a quick math standpoint for with this rate hike of a half a percent, so a half percent that has scared everyone, it equates to twenty three dollars every hundred thousand dollars in your mortgage. So for somebody with a three hundred thousand dollar mortgage, your rate. Is changing by sixty nine dollars, um, you know, a month. When you're qualifying for that mortgage, you're qualifying at a rate of five and a quarter. You know, people's rates right now are around what two and a quarter percent, roughly on variable. You know, two and a half. So you're, you've qualified originally for a much higher rate. Regardless, it's not a it's not a huge like it's they're not huge jumps. You know, obviously they impact budgeting, but jumping by making the conscious decision to jump by one and a half percent, you're jumping at almost $75 for every hundred thousand that has a big impact.
1: Yeah. And we've been, you know, we've been pretty spoiled for the last few years. I know when I bought my first home, I want to say I took a variable rate and it was two, nine, five or 3%. And I thought that was like a killer rate, you know? And then I think my second home, my variable was two and a quarter. And that was with getting like a massive discount. Uh, So even now, you know, most people are probably sitting at 2.2 or 2.3 with the, you know, prime minus probably 1 or 0.9%. I mean, that's still historically an unbelievable rate, right? I mean, two and a quarter is certainly nothing to shake a fist at. Um, And again, you know, like you said, rates are probably going to continue to go up. But, uh, you know, I know we were talking about this over the weekend, but there's also the likelihood of potentially... Um, you know, a slight recession, you know, going into next year, which, which will probably adjust rates again in a, in a different way. So, you know, we've seen this, obviously we're in, we see this day in and day out. So we work with 30 different lenders, rates are changing literally daily almost, at least for one of the lenders. Uh, so we see rates go up and down. We've seen them been going up and down for, for 10 years being in the industry and, uh, you know, really nothing changes as far as the market. I mean, I've seen more homes for sale in the last three days, just driving around, than there's been probably in the last three months. So, I mean, you know, things are still moving. Transactions are still happening. The rates are going to be what they are. And if really, if it gets to a point where people can no longer afford the rates that they're at, they'll probably just extend amortization to 30 years or 35 years or whatever. I mean, there's always kind of that, that the banks don't make money if people aren't buying homes or aren't borrowing money. So, I mean, they need Mm -hmm. to keep the industry moving and they'll just adjust the market in one way or another to balance that out. You know, we used to have 40 year amortizations and... 5% 5% rates, rates go down to, you know, one and a half, two 2% and amortization is 25 years and rates go up again. You know, the, the, I think the easiest thing they would do is just extend that amortization again from 25 to, to 30 years, make payments slightly lower,
0: more affordable for people and keep things moving. The, I mean, it's, but really as of 2018 with bringing in this stress test, people have been qualifying mm-hmm. at higher, higher rates anyways. So right now, um, if qualifying for a mortgage on a fixed rate mortgage, you're qualifying at the five year fixed rate plus 2%. So, you know, using, I'll use TD as an example. I think their five year fix is around 4.04. Uh, certainly, you know, numbers that we haven't heard in a, a very long time, but you're qualifying at 6.04 for the, for a mortgage, as opposed to about a month ago, a month and a half ago, you're qualifying at the posted rate of five and a quarter percent. Now. The, the flip side of that is that on a variable rate mortgage you're still qualifying at that five and a quarter so at that typical posted stress test uh, but but something you made a good point about is as inflation keeps growing and as they're raising rates there's also macroeconomic indicators signaling a recession you know we've had the 10-year US Treasury bond uh, yield invert um, you know over the last month uh, a few times or last few weeks, those are always early indicators of a recession. So, you know, all, all things pointing to them raising rates to, to kind of slow down, rece- to slow down inflation. However, everything that's being done also might not be done quick enough for us oh. to have our GDP contract and have to then go the opposite way and drop rates, <laughs> drop the, uh, the overnight lending rate in order to, to spur economic activity. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, and I, you know, over the next, you know, like you said, over the next rest of the year, how those macroeconomic indicators and and bond yields on the Treasury keep indicating, and whether GDP starts to contract, signaling that. And and again, that all goes to with variable rate mortgages. You, you know, yeah, you feel a little bit of the pinch when rates are increasing, but you also take advantage when they decrease. So, you know, prime prior to the pandemic in February 2020 was at 3.95 percent. We're still only at 3.2. Mm-hmm. So we're at, at February of 2020. We have episodes from back then of the market being crazy, it being on fire. And Prime was at 395 and rates were around 3.65, 3.75 uh, were your typical five-year fixed rates. The market was going crazy. This, these weren't conversations of this, you know, the market falling and uh, people's hair being on fire. There's still, you know, 75 basis points to really run up until we actually hit what the what the bank prime was prior to the pandemic. So a lot of people kind of have that short, are very short, you know, short-sighted as far as like what they're looking at from a historical standpoint. They just know what they because they haven't, you know, they they don't focus on housing on a regular basis. Um, you know, they don't obviously don't buy every year. And so they're not looking at those mortgage rates or or bank prime. And so Um, you know, they're looking at this very short period of time of this last six months or this last year, this last two years, and they're seeing, well, yeah, rates were as low as, you know, on a fixed sub 2%, but, you know, that was an anomaly. Um, That's not the norm.
1: Yeah. And going back to what I was saying about us being spoiled, I think people also, because the rates have been so low, you know, people haven't been out spending money, right? They've been working from home. So people have had they've been able to kind of build up their savings accounts or, you know, I think we we talked about, I don't know the exact number you might remember, Dave, but it's like an outrageous number of money that Canadians are holding in their, in their bank Mm. accounts right now. It's like billions and billions of dollars, some record number. So now with things increasing, people are a lot more conscious of their spending because they haven't been spending for two years, right? It's like, okay, I make my mortgage payment. We buy groceries. And that's essentially what they're buying. You know, no one's even buying gas really. No one was driving anywhere. So everyone kind of got into a mindset of, this abundance of, of cash and now, you know, rates increase on well, my mortgage payments going up a couple hundred and food's gone up a couple hundred and gas is up. So everyone's now spending instead of saving. So I think there's just that shift in mentality where for the last couple of years, everyone's been able to kind of, you know, get that security blanket. And now they're having to kind of spend more just because everything is opening up and, and uh, you know, we're heading in that trending in that direction. Well, one thing you mentioned a few weeks ago that I think is really valuable for people to understand and, and something I've been certainly advising clients as well is, you know, when people ask me, what, what are you doing? Like, should I lock in now? What should I do? I know you said it's personal choice and it certainly is. But, you know, most mortgages allow you the flexibility of increasing your payments by anywhere from 15 to 20%. So if you're in a variable rate, you know, instead of, I know you said this, Dave, like instead of voluntarily increasing your payment by a one and a half percent and paying all that interest to the bank, you can literally voluntarily increase your payment by 20% yourself your payment will be the same as if you locked it in, but that extra money is going to the principal balance instead of to the bank. So as rates continue to increase, you're at least building that buffer in your equity uh, and in your mortgage pay down that is going back into your pocket instead of, you know, to the bank. So there, you know, you can still have that peace of mind of knowing that you're not going to get completely dumbfounded as rates increase uh, or, you know, basically completely blown out of the water as far as what you're paying. But instead of voluntarily choosing to pay an extra $400 in interest or $500 in interest, pay that four or $500 in principle and, and put it back in your pockets that if rates do increase, at least that money is already in your pocket in the form of equity, as opposed to going to the bank uh, and their shareholders in the form of interest.
0: And, and psychologically as well, you know, you're, you're, I think a lot of people want to lock in to a fixed for the, for just that relief psychologically of, I don't have to worry about or think about, um, what yeah. the bank of canada is doing or what inflation is doing and that that's where i've kind of talked to clients about um it being you know i could provo- i could show as many numbers as you want and, and historical numbers and charts kind of comparing the two even with predicted uh rate increases things like that but at the end of the day you need to feel comfortable in what product you're in, mm. and what you know what whether it's variable or fixed. Regardless of uh, of what you know, we <laughs> what we say here or whomever you're speaking with, you know, you need to. If it's something that's going to weigh on you psychologically on an ongoing basis, and you're constantly searching for those headlines or worrying about it, um, then then variable might not be for you. And and so certainly contact your your financial institution, get a quote for that rate lock, and do the numbers, and just see what that looks like. And like Paul said, you know, if it's something where you don't want to worry about the rate increases. You could just increase your payments and lock them in at that higher amount, building in that one and a half, 2% buffer uh, to where fixed rates are now. That You know, whatever that bank quotes you, you could do the math of, okay, this is what my payments would be, you know, X, I'm paying now this, let's lock it in at that higher amount and continue paying that. Like Paul said, pay down the mortgage quicker um, and, and build that in. So you don't have to worry about it. As rates go up, your payments are going to stay the same you know, are all that's going to change is that in amount going to interest within that higher payment. Um, and, and what's going to principal. and you're kind of getting the best of both worlds in that regard as well. Um, alternatively, if you are getting a new mortgage right now or buying a home, uh, you could also look at going with a financial financial institution that, uh, locks in the rate. So some, you know, I've heard it from a couple of people this week asking about, um, about capped variable mortgages, they are, those are different. Um, but there are a couple institutions that will, on their variable rate mortgages, they'll be fixed locked in payments based on the based on the rate, effective rate on closing. So your variable rate on closing, um, and whatever Bank of Canada does up or down, your payments stay the same. It's amount within interest and in principal within that payment that adjusts. Um, the one downside to it is is as prime goes up, it's possible that, you know, they kind of say to you, well, you know, you're on a 30 year amortization and you come to the end of your five-year term and you've only paid down technically one year, uh, because, you know, payments stayed the same and interest increased. Uh, so there are kind of those pros and cons, but that is something you could look at, um, when getting into, uh, if you're buying a new home now or refinancing, what have you, uh, to give you that peace of mind as well.
1: So just, uh, I just want to reflect as well, the uh, great points all around. Um, I just want to reflect as well on the federal budget because I know that was, you know, very got a lot of comments, a lot of questions after last episode. What have you, what's been kind of the response in your network as far as um, the stuff that was released? Cause I know when we talked last week, it was still pretty fresh. Like it came out a few days prior to the, to the recording over the last week. Now that the dust has settled a bit, what have you kind of been hearing through your, through your network as far as um, you know, just response and what's everyone's feeling of, of the changes?
0: Yeah. Um, To be honest, I was, uh, I didn't really hear much, um, from anyone on it. Uh, there wasn't really, you know, from my account, you know, there wasn't really anything from a tax perspective that was impacted. People were expecting more, you know, things there. There wasn't really any huge hits there, um, on the housing side, people kind of laughed if you will. (laughs) And, uh, as far as whether what is being proposed is actually going to really benefit, um, or not, you know, or really be imposed where it makes a drastic change. You know, again, like we talked about before the, uh, the foreign buyer, the foreign buyer ban, um, you know, people really kind of echoed a lot of the same sentiment that, that we had or, and and the market indicates is that there are very few, uh, foreign buyers purchasing homes. So that ban, you know, that's, is that really going to drastically impact things? Um, the TFSA, Again, people echoed it being great. And I, and one of the comments that we had actually <clears throat> on our last week's episode was um, kind of commenting to that and uh, and from a Dan H and, and kind of just commenting about the $8,000 a year cap to contribute to the TFSA uh, that it might be to defer demand until future years. Hmm. And I, I think that's in, an interesting point. I also, I mean, if that's the concern really, you know, it's, this is for down payment. Are they, you know, is that really going to drive, um, demand by these, you know, by individuals having funds available for, for down payment, spreading it out over five years that we talked about really, you know, you're not able to catch up with what housing prices are doing, even at a small incremental increase. So, um, yeah, overall, the, the sentiment at least that I received or heard was, was kind of, um, you know kind of a blah if you will uh reaction to it uh how about yourself
1: yeah very similar um you know not too much not not too many questions more more concerns about the rate than the rates increasing than any of the changes being proposed i think everything we talked about last week i mean nothing in there like the headlines you know like greg said it kind of makes you feel like yeah like they're you know they're 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 getting things done but then when you actually dig into it it's like oh it's pretty much exactly how it is right now uh mm-hmm. not too much not too many big changes that are coming like as far as actuality um there were a few good comments on the episode from last week one here from uh uh Sharon uh B Sharon uh says i wonder how long before these rate hikes will affect the prices of, the price of homes on the higher end since less people will be able to afford the million dollar plus homes Also, with the rate hikes, I see less incentive as well as affordability to enable someone to sell their freehold townhome to upgrade to a single home. Will this not eventually lead to a decline in the price of the higher-end homes due to decrease in demand slash affordability? And could this price decline eventually trickle down to the lower-end homes down the road? How will the average family be able to afford a single home priced over a million dollars at a fixed rate term of 6%? assuming he means qualifying side or unless rates continue to go that way. Uh, will they be forced to rent out rooms to pay some of the mortgage? What do you, what do you guys think?
0: I don't, I don't think that there's going to be any change. Um, That's me personally. I think there'll be a little bit of, uh, you know, there might be, a, I think it's just, it's a slow down in the market anyways, when there's uh, worry about rates or kind of talk about rates. I think with, where inflation is at and where gas is and oil is at, I think has more of an impact of people kind of like you said, Paul, uh, evaluating their uh, expenditures. But at the end of the day, prices are prices for homes are where they're at, um, and and people need shelter. Or, mm-hmm. you know, for what people can qualify for, especially in a city like Ottawa, prices over a million. I mean, again, the difference between five and a quarter and six percent, it's not a huge drop in in, a, in what you're qualifying for. And, and those with where, especially in Ottawa, where people, where people's household incomes are at, or average incomes are at, you know, they're qualifying for over a million anyways on that, on that stress test. Um, and I get, you know, it's an average, you know, kind of a a combined income of, of, you know, 200,000, 225, 250, you're qualifying for a million, million, a quarter loan amount, not purchase price. Um, you know that's not uncommon in Ottawa. I mean, there's a lot of federal employees that their average income is, you know, eighty and ninety thousand. So you're hitting those marks just on with a, you know, a couple that that's working for the federal government and no one, you know, and not in a high-paying job, really, so to speak. I don't know that that the rate increases are going to impact the over a million threshold. I think where inflation and the oil prices. Uh, impact is the is the middle and lower inc- uh lower income classes. Unfortunately, a lot of times it doesn't actually have as big an impact on the on the middle upper upper class.
1: Yeah, and to your point, I mean those people that are all you know buying, or let's say you know they have a household income or their household income is say two to two fifty, they're also probably selling a home that has you know three quarters of a million dollar equity in it. If they if they lived in a home that was already you know if it was worth 500 or 750 10 years ago, and they're selling that now that that home itself is, you know, one and a half million or whatever it may be. So they're also getting, you know, half to three quarters of a million dollars in equity that they can then use on that new home. So it's not as if they're just putting a minimum down payment and buying a one and a half million dollar home, they already have a lot of the equity built up that they can then essentially transfer over to that new property. So I'm in agreement. I think, um, you know, I think Greg used said the number, there was like 20% of the homes or something that sold in Ottawa a couple weeks ago was, was over sold for over a million. And, uh, I know my brother was just saying he's out in, in Orleans. He was saying that one of the the townhomes, I think it was a townhome, at least a row home of some sort, uh, near his place just sold for over 800. Uh, so, I mean, people are clearly still affording these, uh, whether or not they have mm-hmm. to get a co-applicant or they're being, you know, I think, uh, Cheryl mentioned, uh, you know, having people live with them. I mean, we could see that, too. I mean, if home prices get to a to and you know, I mean, I was going to say obscene, but a more obscene price point, um, then, you know, we might see people, you know, residing with family members, you know, having their their parents actually move in or, you know, using that pension to qualify or living with their brother and sister and getting a five bedroom instead of a two or three bedroom, you know. So, I mean, there's always people are very creative. I mean, we've talked about this before. Everyone needs shelter. Uh, people need a place to live and people get creative. I mean, it's everyone, you know, that household income in Ottawa being, you know, 106,000 on average. Uh, you know, you get two or three people, you can pretty much buy, qualify at least for whatever mm-hmm. you'd like. It's just a matter of getting the right ducks in a row, you know?
0: Yeah. And in, in 2018, uh, people were qualifying at the, you know, at the contract rate people were qual- you were qualifying for a mortgage at what your five year fixed rate was no and no stress test they brought the federal government prices were going on an were increasing substantially the federal government brought in the stress test to slow down the market it didn't slow it down at all people were then qualifying for the five year fixed plus two or the average of the big six banks five year posted rate which was you know at the time, in the 5%. This did not slow down the market. People could already qualify anyways, or they just brought in a family member to co-sign anyways on that mortgage, and it never yeah. slowed down the market. People don't need to live in the home to co-sign. Somebody, a first-time home buyer, happens all the time. Parents go on to help the kid out, and they co-sign. Or family members, you know, siblings, co-signing on a property together to help one another buy, because they know that their mortgage payments are less than what they're qualifying at. You know, they're borrowing at two and a quarter percent on a variable, or two, two and a half, but they're qualifying at five and a quarter. Well, that's not their payment amount, and so a family member just goes on and helps them out, or that they have a cash job that that income's not being used, so they can't. So they get a family member on to help them qualify, or they're in the gig economy and Uber, their Uber eats, you know, income or Uber driving isn't being used, things like that. There's a lot of income that is not used by banks either. So when we're talking about qualifying, they're only looking at your salaried income, your two-year average, um, or if you're self-employed, again, there are very few programs and they're barely taking into account what... Uh, a self-employed individual is using for mortgage qualifying. It's very stringent on what they use. And then they're qualifying you at that Bank of Canada posted rate. So there's a lot more affordability for people um, than people think, or, or, you know, in the general public, because of how restricted the banks are for for what income they'll use to qualify. Uh, So
1: I did get some numbers while we were on, while we were uh, recording here. So so you're not just
0: ignoring me. You weren't just no, staring just... down. Ignore me. Okay. No, I'm,
1: I'm actually work, trying to trying to keep the numbers rolling here. So yeah, Dave's talking. I'm just like falling asleep here. For anyone who's just listening. Um, so as of today, total of two, two twelve two uh, two thousand one hundred and sixty eight listings in total on MLS. Um, one thousand six hundred and sixteen. Condo and freehold as of right now. So 1616 as of this second right now. So not this week, but as of right now, not including rentals. So the 2168 included rental listings. So 1616 homes currently listed. Uh, in the last seven days, 618 new listings and only 560 sold. So more listings than sold in the last week. Good. There you go. I mean, A
0: little snapshot. Good. Pretty pretty close to new listings in the last seven days yeah. to sold. I mean, five sixty to six eighteen. However, um, again, that is a good a good sign for home buyers and prices slowing down and hopefully leveling out where you can get some conditions on things. Yeah. Um, so I think that's. Uh,
1: I've been saying that to people too. Right? I said, you know, that I've seen it even just on my own street and in my neighborhood. I've been seeing more, you know, listings or coming soon's or for sale signs pop up. So. It's typical. I mean, this is a spring market. This is how it goes every single year. So this isn't an anomaly by any means. But uh, it's good to see it because it is going to balance out the market, at least in the short term. And then, you know, we'll probably see come uh, October, November, we'll probably see the same thing happen again. More, less homes on the market. Prices will go up again over the winter. And uh, that's at least how the market's been been going for the last few years. So I'm just noticing my eyebrows look fierce right now with the shadows. Holy jumping. I have to get into the mood boost. Let's see here. Uh, I got four today. All right. Four today. Um, number one, my dog, after eating lots of Easter dinner here, my dog's not fat. He's just a little husky. That one hit me in the face. No, no, um, mine,
0: no mine's in mine.
1: Winston's definitely husky. That's for sure. Yeah, and he ain't a husky. Uh, number two, just burned my Hawaiian pizza. Should have put it on Aloha Temperature. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Number three. My car only works every other day. I think it might be the alternator.
0: Oh, okay, that one's better. That uh, one's last
1: but not better. least. My friend drove his expensive car into a tree and found out how his Mercedes
0: bends. All right, all right, okay. That was not okay. bad. This good. They're better better than last week's. Better than last week's.
1: <laughs> um, quick shout out. Quick shout out to uh, Referral Mortgages, all our uh, amazing agents, our amazing operations team. Uh, shout outs to the agency, Agency Ottawa, Growing Brokerage. Greg is the managing director over there and uh, I know they're doing some good things. If you haven't seen it, I believe, uh, I think it's on Netflix, maybe Prime, the agency in LA. They have a, an awesome show that I know... Uh, Greg said, everyone asks him about. Uh, Also, shout out to our coffee sponsor, North Brew. If you go to northbrew.ca and use the promo code podcast, you will get 20% off your coffee orders. And 20% of your order does go to the Ottawa homeless community. So great coffee, great cause. And uh, shout out to Stephen Hopkins, Stephen Hopkins Video. He's our producer, one of a kind wizard. And uh, he helps us get all these uh, all this great content out to you folks. So um, if you're still listening, which uh, you probably aren't, uh, make sure to subscribe, uh, review, comment, and uh, we'll see you next week. Dave, have a great day.
0: You too. Deuces. All right. See you, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe, because we'd really like that.